So you're very welcome to today's edition of The Road We Are On podcast. And we're delighted today to be joined by Louis Pedrero, who is the Managing Director of Car Tours in Madrid and is also the President of ANETRA, which is the National Association of Bus Transportation Entrepreneurs in Spain. You're very welcome today, Louis. And thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Very good. Lou, what we normally do is we get a bit of background on the people that we're, we're talking to on the podcast. And I know that you've been uh, involved in the business now for a number of years. Car Tours established in 1981 and, and you operate in Madrid. But maybe if you give us a little bit of an idea of, of the background of the company and, and yourself. Yes, of course. Um, uh, probably like many companies in, in, our, in our industry, uh, Car Tour is a family business. Uh, and uh, it was... Uh, established by my father in 1981 so uh, currently it's under the second generation of the business uh, i worked in the company since well, since i was a kid like, uh, i remember coming to to the depot and and, and running around the, the buses and uh, but i i joined the company officially in uh, 2002 uh, and uh, i've been working in different uh, areas of the company and I became a uh, managing director or, or, or chief executive officer, whatever you want to call it, uh, five years ago. So that, that's the background of the company. And your company then, I mean, a lot of Irish companies over here, Louis, would have different sections that they would work in. Some would be in scheduled services, which would be maybe A to B locations, school transport, um, and then extended tours and also private hire. Is that very much the same for the private companies in, in Spain and Madrid? Yes, definitely. It's it's pretty much the same. Some some companies are have a, a larger percentage of uh, A to B services, like you mentioned, like fixed services uh, for workers or for schools, and some others like like car tour have a, a, a larger percentage of uh, discretional or tourist services. And in our company, in car tour, uh, uh, A to B services uh, for workers and school is around fifteen percent of our total. Uh, revenue, uh, while the rest, uh, the majority of our businesses for tourists, transportation, we were clients, our main clients are tour operators. Okay, and in the time that you've been in the company, Louis, let's say the last 18 or 20 years, what have been the main growth areas have you seen in, in certain, I suppose, in Madrid, or would you see it nationwide? Would you focus a lot of your operations in, in the Madrid area, because that's where most of your business is based? Or do you do much extended tours around Spain itself? Uh, we do uh, both. Uh, probably uh, the larger growth in our company has been in in, in tours outside Madrid for a whole, uh, around the whole of Spain, around the whole Iberian Peninsula, and also we we operate tours, European tours, starting in Madrid and ending in Madrid. But for for uh, big uh, um, uh, tours uh, for Latin Americans, and that's also been a, a growth area in our company. In the, in the in the few years uh, for the local services in Madrid we have trying to concentrate been trying to concentrate on on, on transportation for Congress or or events which has also grown in Madrid uh, uh, largely in in the last few years so that's another area where we have been growing the past few years and domestic tourism I mean would you do many domestic tours starting off in Madrid with Spanish uh, Madrid people on board possibly and and then do tours of of Spain itself with domestic yes uh, well we 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 are not really specializing in that uh, in that operation we are trying to focus on 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 uh, foreign uh, uh, out uh, incoming business from from foreign countries uh, 
which uh, that kind of clients uh, looking for a higher quality probably and uh, and we have been trying to compete on, on that segment instead of uh, targeting the companies that focus on the domestic market in, in Madrid or Spain. Uh, for the domestic market in Madrid or Spain, again, I said, we, we've been also trying to, to concentrate on, on big companies or, you know, transfers for companies and, and uh, schools somehow, but, but in a smaller percentage. And in, in brief COVID times, how, how competitive a market is over there, Louis? How competitive is there many people in the industry? And with regards to obviously some of the issues we have over here is driver retention, attracting drivers into the industry, the age profile uh, of drivers, and then um, attracting or retaining that expertise uh, when drivers retire and people coming on board. And then also with regard to the costs of the vehicle and the return maybe on the vehicles. How, how competitive a market is it in, in, in Spain and Madrid in general? Yeah, I, it, it's a very, very tough market, very competitive. Uh, there are a lot of companies, small companies. So uh, what we call there's, uh, in my opinion, there is excess supply uh, of companies. Uh, in certain periods of the year, there, there, there is a lack of supply uh, uh, of coaches, uh, but there is very, very specific times of the year because of seasonality. I suppose that happens everywhere. Uh, and, uh, but I think there is, there is a huge number of uh, small companies, and therefore there's a very strong competition, mainly for the local services, for the, 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 the public tenders for, for, for schools, for local schools, uh, routes, or for, for any kind of tender. Uh, the prices really, really dropping down. And that's why in my company, we decided to focus uh, on the foreign uh, companies and the incoming business. And what about driver situation there, what you said? Yeah, uh, about, uh, regarding drivers, uh, I must say uh, there is a difficulty, but I don't think it's, it's, just, it's as much, um, it's, it's, it's such a big problem like in other countries. Uh, we we have been able to to have drivers. The problem is to have good drivers, uh, and and uh, training drivers is always a difficulty here uh, because you know as I said before we the drivers are running every day, uh, driving every day. It's difficult to find time uh, to train them, and since the size of the companies are also as I said before, most of the companies are small companies. Uh, it's not always easy to to professionalize the sector the industry and 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 make the companies aware that driver training is, is crucial is very important so yeah i must say there are drivers but there are not so many good drivers and louis i think you you, you have a number of 50 over 50 vehicles in, in your fleet at the moment um, and with your staff retention and with regard to training i think people will be interested over here you know, do you provide your own in-house training if a driver comes to your company? Do you train them up to your level or uh, do you have any external training schemes uh, that, that uh, people can go and get a, a driver's license and then come to companies like yourselves already trained and already with a license? I would say uh, we do the in-house training. Uh, normally when we hire drivers, uh, we, 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 we hire new drivers, they start by, by driving young people driving minibuses in the area and then we, they start running longer services and in the end if they want to do that they can go for the big tours. It's a process in the company, it's within the company and it's uh, 
uh, when we need a suddenly when we need a driver for for long distance tours or, or a very a better skilled or, or or better trained driver, we try to get get it from the market uh, with the necessary skills already. So, uh, but I must say, I, I would say, we try to do the the training in our in our house in our company. Certainly over here, Louis, in the last number of years, the uh, expectation with regard to safety levels, with regard to tachograph, with regard to uh, 12-day rules, with regard to uh, rest periods, has become a huge challenge for, for Irish operators to comply and to work within the guidelines. And possibly the same, and I'll ask you the question with regard to ourselves, is that we have this peak time of the year, maybe six or seven months, where drivers need to earn a, a good living, uh, certainly with doing the tourism services, and you have an off-season. And it can be very, very difficult to manage those days and those hours uh, during that peak time. Do you have that difficulty over there, or how stringent are the regulations in, in your country and your area? Definitely, that, that's a big issue. And... Um, uh, it's the same regulation it's the european regulation so uh, we have the problems uh, like like you guys in in ireland uh, and being a big country uh, it's difficult to to have the 12 day rule because you need to have at least 24 hours outside the, the country so I, I guess for smaller countries in central europe that that's easier but for us uh, you know it's it's difficult uh, when there's the big peak season uh, I'm I'm aware that some small operators might be tempted to not uh, observe the regulations, and and that's an unfair competition that must be removed. So so I think uh, it's 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 important that we all observe the regulation. It's it's it's, in, it's safety regulation, so we need to 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 comply with it. Uh, but uh, but there are. I think there are uh, ways of improving the regulation because uh, it's the same regulation for truck drivers or for coach drivers. So I think, uh, and, and, and there are some lobbies in, in, in the European Union that we are trying also to lobby that from, from uh, a federation or association perspective. There is room for improvement. Like for example, the 12 day rule could be applied for, for tours within the country as well. And, and for certain periods of the time, because our drivers are not driving 15 hours a day or 12 hours a day, you know, they, they, they have maybe four hours, three hours, and then until they don't drive until the next day. So it makes no sense for them to have 44, 45 hours rest, weekly rest every single, every single week. And, and, and that would allow us to, to um, manage the seasonality in a better way. Yeah, and I think that is one of the difficulties we have over here. Uh, certainly, everybody is willing to work within the guidelines. But uh, if you have a driver doing an hour in the morning and an hour in the afternoon and an hour in the evening, maybe doing three hours and a 15-hour shift of driving time, um, but runs out of hours for that day or for the next morning because he has to come back to base, it is frustrating when you're competing or when you're putting that against somebody who will get in to drive a vehicle all over Europe for nine hours solid. And of course, they're going to need a, a break and a rest at the end of it. One further element before we move on from this, one of the challenges that we have over here for doing a six day or seven day and eight day tour in Ireland is, and Ireland's a reasonably small country, is that you know if you have a day off in Barcelona or if you have a day off in Malaga or if you have a day off in different areas like that and it's a long distance away from your company, how you deal with that? Do you use um, drivers from those locations and how you put trust in them to, to get into your vehicles or do you have a network of drivers that are employed by you in different locations around the country? Uh, well, yeah, uh, what we do is we hire the, the the coach and the driver from from uh, from uh, colleagues from from a network of colleagues in, in in Spain 
or, or even in in the whole Europe, we we do that in in the Netherlands as well. We do that uh, everywhere where we, where our drivers need the rest during the, the tour. We we tried sometimes to to have drivers, but it's difficult. We don't trust every driver to to get our our, our coaches, and uh, and also it's it's not easy uh, because of the regulation. We need to have them in in our payroll. We can't just hire a driver from from another company that could invoice us for, for the uh, service of, of their driver. We need to, to hire the driver in, in our payroll. So that's a, a difficult uh, bureaucracy uh, that we need to do just for maybe one day or two days. So we decided to hire the full, the full coach and driver service, which is also difficult because uh, the clients don't want to, to, to have different coaches or different companies uh, during the tour. Uh, but that, that's what we do. And does the, uh, how com- how uh, competitive is that, Louis? In other words, if you're qu- quoting for a seven-day tour, and one of the days uh, your coach is going to be sitting there and your driver is going to be sitting there in a location which you obviously have to pay for and you have to recoup your, your wages, are you able to charge the... Have they been educated enough that you've been able to charge your tour companies for the full hire of another coach? That would be two full hires for the day. That's right. And and some some... Clients do, don't understand, but we we've been trying to to educate them uh, for very since very long time, and uh, it's been a, a difficult uh, path, a difficult way to to educate them. But I think we have mostly achieved uh, uh, that they understand they need to hire that second coach or driver, and also pay for our coach, which is maybe stopped uh, fully stopped in Barcelona, but but the, the it's uh, we need also to to charge for it. And, uh, and that's probably uncompetitive, but if all the companies would, would observe the regulation, then, then it's not, not a problem. So it's, uh, everybody will, will be competing with the same, with the same um, uh, tools. So that, that's okay, but it's not easy. It's not easy. We, we, we try to educate. Most of our long-term clients uh, uh, understand. And when there's a new client, we just put it in our, in our uh, quotation and try to explain. Yeah, and I think that's uh, uh, what a lot of Irish companies are trying to do over here and trying to educate people that it is for their benefit, it is for safety. And to put a driver that has never been in a vehicle before, um, I'm probably not familiar with all the all the different intricacies of it, uh, in preference to putting the driver into a vehicle he drives all the time, of course, there's going to be a different cost element. But on a safety-wise, um, you know, it's, it's certainly something that that uh, can be uh, can be a benefit to everybody, including including the clients. Louis, right. we, we've spoken today about a lot of the issues, and uh, it, it strikes me that a lot of the stuff that I spoke to Peter Panduso from the American Bus Association and a lot of the stuff we have is like a mirror image uh, between Ireland, between the US and between yourselves and Madrid. And obviously in 2018, 2019, certainly in Ireland, the business was in, in a good shape. Um, tourism was was certainly on the up. We had a lot of access with, with flights coming in and out to Ireland. Um, cruise liners were, were, were probably at the max capacity that we were going to have for a number of years. And certainly the business tourism and corporate and central tourism was, was, was on a growth area. And presumably that was the same with yourselves pre, you know, up, right up until the end of 2019. Definitely. Uh, 2019 was a record uh, year for us, for, for our company and and. Uh, talking to all the colleagues in, in in the market, they 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 also said the same. Also, 2020 looked like a great year. Uh, in the first quarter, uh, we had great expectations, and uh, and then this happened. So, but but uh, yeah, definitely there was a growth uh, in the tourism uh, sector. 
there was also growth uh, in Spain for, for uh, congresses. Uh, we have uh, Barcelona, Seville, and Madrid. They're very one of the top, I, say, I would say, 15 cities for congresses in, in, in the world, or at least in Europe. So yeah, things looked really good. And uh, I hope this is just a break and that we can get back to, to previous numbers in the future. Yeah. At, at what point, I spoke to Peter uh, the last podcast, I, I, at what point you as, as a company and, and you as an industry, because obviously with your, with your role as president of Anatra as well too, at what point did you think, hang on a minute, this is going to have a real effect on my company and our industry? At the start of this year, between January and March, what was the, the point where you sort of said, we could be in trouble here? I, I, I think it was very, very last minute. Uh, I, I was actually out of Spain. We were, um, I was in a, in, a, in a meeting with our colleagues from, from a network, a global passenger network. It's, it's a net, network of coach companies uh, around uh, the world, 40 different countries. My company is a Spanish member of the network. We were holding a meeting in Prague. And, and, and it was, I think, March 12 or March 11 that I got the news that schools were closing in Madrid. And that's where I realized uh, that this was going to be big because uh, up to that point, I thought it would be like, you know, uh, a previous crisis like the avian flu or, or other crises that we, we've had in the past where, yeah, there was a, an impact on, on demand, um, mainly from, from Asia. And I thought that would be it. Uh, but when schools closed in Madrid, even if schools are not my, my, my big business, but I thought, oh, this is, this is really big. So it was really last minute and, and I was really, if, if I had anticipated it for a couple of weeks, I could have at least stopped a, a request for five, 15 meter EDSRs uh, that I just got from, from uh, two weeks ago, uh, two weeks before that happened. So, but anyway, uh, I have them with uh, almost no uh, miles run. And I have them in, in my jar there. I can see them now from my window and then it's really frustrating, but I hope they, they will run their miles in the future. Yeah, and I think that is the most frustrating part for coach operators uh, or anybody involved in tourism is sitting in your office, looking at your vehicles parked outside, knowing that your drivers are at home or, or have moved on to another industry. Um, it's so frustrating. And the concern is that it, it, it's not going to be an overnight fix. The concern is that it's going to be, uh, certainly there are some positives with regard to the vaccinations, but with regard to the, the return of our industry, it's certainly going to be a slow process um, and it's not going to be an overnight return. Definitely, uh, I don't. I don't think it will be uh, next year. Uh, I, I don't think we will be back to to previous numbers until 2023 at least. Uh, I think uh, next year will be a very tough year, and and, and I think 2022 could get back to to normality in terms of uh, uh, activity, but not the numbers we had in in 2019. And I hope by 2023 we could get back to to normal, normal numbers. Yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. So can I just talk to you then about your, your role as president uh, of Anetra and which is the uh, National Association for the Bus Transportation Entrepreneurs. And over here, we have the Coach Tourism Transport Council, which lobbies on behalf of its members, wouldn't have as many members as yourselves, but lobbies on behalf to the government uh, on various different aspects. And this year, more than ever, um, I think coach operators have relied on them to get their message out and to work hand in hand with the government for various different schemes. 
and we have benefited from some schemes, certainly as, as a lot of businesses have with regard to wage supplement scheme, with regard to the reduction of rates, um, with regard to uh, employees being put on to uh, pandemic payments. Just on that front, in the early part of the process, was there a lot of work done um, by Anetra on behalf of their members early on in the process? Yes, there was. And, and uh, we, we had to regular meetings, weekly meetings with the Ministry of Transport, where we were uh, asking them for, for the necessary help that we need. We, needed. Um, uh, we convinced them that our industry was uh, one of the most damaged uh, industries uh, because of the um, pandemic. And they 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 uh, they got awareness of that because uh, sometimes uh, the administrations they think that the transportation is just the regular lines, you know they 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 tend the politicians and and, and the, the technicians in the, in the ministries or, or or the local administrations when you talk about transportation they think of, of the the urban bus the you know the the regular lines the the trains the subway uh, underground so. Uh, when you talk about uh, the what we call discretional transport, transport like uh, to, transport for tourists, transport, transport for schools, um, charters, uh, congresses, they don't really think it's just transport. No? So we convinced them that we are a big industry and that we are very damaged and that, that we needed the, the necessary help uh, from them. And what did they put in place for you early on, or, or what is continuing to be in place at the moment? Yeah. For well, uh, in Spain, uh, the government, instead of uh, focusing on certain sectors, in the beginning, they, they made a, a, a wide range of uh, measures uh, to, to help uh, the companies and the workers um, uh, in, 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 in Spain. And uh, you can summarize in three, in two. One of them is the what, what we call the ERTE, which is the temporary uh, dismissal of, of workers, the, the temporary unemployed workers, uh, which will be are paid by the government, 70% of, of their salary up to a maximum, I think, of 1,000 euros or 1,100 euros per month. So we could put all, all our employees or most of our employees uh, in that temporary uh, unemployment. Uh, and uh, the government also allowed for a reduction of the social security payment for those workers. Uh, in the in the early stages, it was 100% for companies under 50 uh, employees and 75% uh, for companies over 50 employees. Uh, that has evolved, and but we still have that measure in place. And the other measure that they 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 took was to uh, uh, allow to ask for uh, loans with the collateral of the state, all right? So we, we could have loans, which are 80% uh, uh, collateral from the state. Uh, and then we could therefore get the, the necessary uh, liquidity or, or funds uh, to, to go on with our payments. But I must say, we have been asking for uh, um, tax reductions or uh, we have been asking for uh, moratorium of, of payments of taxes as well. We have been asking for direct help, direct aids that we know in Germany or France have been allowed, at least for certain sectors. And we know that for our sector, it ha they have been allowed and, and our government hasn't 
uh, haven't hasn't allowed for it. They haven't they haven't um, provided any direct help for for the companies. And do you feel this is an ongoing battle, Louis? Do you think as we progress into 2021, and as you said earlier on, 2021 will be a difficult year again for uh, people involved in tourism uh, and the coach companies especially, do you think that there will be an appetite from your government to step in and to perhaps help out your members? Um, I'm, I'm not sure. We, we're lobbying for that. And we hope that with the examples of other countries, they can provide some help in that, in that regard. Uh, we are just working towards that. What we are focusing now is to allow for an extension of the of the loan. Uh, I can't say that in English. There is a one-year period that we don't pay uh, the principal. We only pay the interest of the loan. Uh, so we are seeking for an extension for another year of that uh, period of, of only paying interests and not uh, the principal of the loan, and also an extension of, of the loans instead of five years, which was the first uh, period that, that they offered, we are asking for eight years. I think we are going to get that. That could also help us continue uh, to survive until the demand com comes back. And there was another measure that I forgot before, and that was certainly a measure that was given to our sector or to our industry, which is a moratorium in the payment of uh, the uh, leasing or loans that we have for the purchase of vehicles. Uh, uh, we asked for that and they allowed, uh, they, they established a, a regulation where banks or, or financial ent entities should allow for at least a six month moratorium of uh, the payment of the leasing. And we are also working for that six months to be extended. Yeah, and I think very much mirrors what we're doing over here with regard to the six-month extension. So maybe if I can ask you on that, we a lot of our members and our companies are coming to that six-month stage now. It started off in March or April, and they're now having to sit across and face their banks. And see, some will be more um, susceptible to others to be able to do deals um, and extend that on. Um, so the two questions I want to ask in that, one is in, in, in Spain, are the banks um, doing individual deals with the companies to extend it on? And the second is one of the... Uh, difficulties over here is that if businesses go out of business and more and more vehicles come onto the market, there will be reduction in the uh, value of the vehicles. And we've seen that certainly from the UK market where companies have gone out of business, large companies, and vehicles have flooded into the market at a very much discounted cost. Um, and it is affecting the, the operators, certainly in Ireland and the UK, with the value of their, of their existing vehicles. Has that happened in, in I, 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 with your, with your um, Anetra, I think you represent about 800, is that would be about 800 coach companies? Yes. Have you seen many companies going out of business for a start? And have you seen this difficulty coming with the value of the vehicles? Uh, yeah, so far, uh, we haven't seen a lot of companies going out of business. There, are, there, are, there, there have been some. But not many. Uh, so, but I guess when the when the companies will need to start pay, paying the the loan, the, the, uh, the, the that uh, loan that was provided by by the government, by the state, I think there will be more more and more companies going bankrupt and, and going out of business. Uh, the difficulty, uh, and I and for the first question, the banks, uh, as, as they are not really putting it easy unless you have a, a good financial condition. So they're, they're just doing, uh, acting less, uh, as they did before. They're just providing uh, uh, measures for companies which are financially more healthy than, than others. 
So, uh, and the problem about residual value of the vehicles, I think that's the biggest problem that we are facing now because we have uh, assets we, in our companies. We have uh, our, our, probably our biggest asset, physical asset is, is the coaches, the, the, the vehicles it, themselves. And their value has been reduced by at least 50% uh, uh, of their former residual value. So when, when you face a difficulty and, and it's only in your company, then you can go and say, okay, I have 50 vehicles, I can sell 10, I can get some liquidity, some cash and go on and reduce our size. But that's not, a, that's, not a, uh, uh, that's not possible now because there's no market for the, for the used vehicles. So um, I think that, that would be probably, our companies would be poorer than before, even when the, when the demand comes back because uh, our assets have been depreciated uh, by by long uh, by a big amount of, of money. Yeah, and I think it very much uh, is the same in, in this country. Louis, can I just talk to you about, let's say, school transport? Because um, I know school transport is probably one of the only services that's operating over here. Currently, we're in a level five restriction, so we don't have access to uh, regular private hire. Um, all tourism activities have stopped. All corporate and centre work has stopped. Um, so really school transport, and if you're doing scheduled services, um, that is the only element of the op- business that is operating at the moment. Uh, how does your school transport system work over there? Is it, is it a nationwide system? Is it a private system? Or, or what way does it work and what capacities are you allowed to operate under? Well, um, the school, schools in Spain are public. We have public and private schools, of course. And, for, for, and, and schools are managed by the regions, by the uh, autonomous communities. Uh, in, in, in different regions in Spain. And each region uh, decides how many uh, uh, school transport routes they need uh, for, for, the, for, for the public uh, schools. So they tender, they tender the, uh, the services and, uh, and well, there's, there's big competition there for, for school uh, transport, for public school transport. But there, there's also uh, quite a, a important number of private schools that they 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 do their own uh, uh contracting for 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 coaches services for transport services uh it's a big uh, within our the small and medium companies in spain which anetra represents uh, mostly uh, uh school transport is a, is a big is a big business for us and uh we combine both private and, and public schools. So that, that's how the system works here in Spain. And what kind of capacity are you operating at the moment? Sorry, can you... Your, can you... your capacity on the vehicles, are you up to 100% capacity? Oh, yeah, yeah, or are you yeah, 50%? yeah. Sorry, sorry. I, I, yes, um, in, in, in early stages of, of the pandemic, of, of the state of alarm in March, April, uh, the capacity was reduced to 50%. Then was... Uh, I think it was by by May. It was up to seventy five, and in June, uh, according to some studies that we we also helped uh, provide to provide to the to the government uh, uh, concerning ventilation in the in the coaches, uh, they allowed for a hundred percent occupancy. So uh, it's uh, we we are allowed to to a hundred percent occupation in the in the coach. And on other aspects of your business, let's say if you do have a private hires or a sports team, an elite sports team maybe, um, or if they're doing service, are they, is there a capacity 
cap on those? In other words, are they allowed to 100% or is it 50% capacity on those at the moment? Yeah, they, technically, technically they, are, they are allowed to 100%. Uh, we, we, there's no regulation against it. But, for example, La Liga, in, uh, La Liga in football, uh, the, 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 the entity that manages the, all the professional football in, in Spain, uh, they have their own protocol and they are asking us to provide uh, 50% capacity maximum. So we need to provide at least two coaches for each team. Normally, uh, uh, there is uh, one coach for the players and one coach for the staff normally. But uh, but the, yeah, we're, that's the internal protocol of, of the La Liga. For example, and with regard then to scheduled services, the um, services, let's say from Madrid to Barcelona uh, on coach vehicles, are there many private operators to do those or are they all state-owned companies? Well, the companies are private, uh, but the service is state-owned. I mean, uh, it's uh, the system in Spain is not liberalized. So uh, uh, we there, there are tenders, there are public there are public services which uh, when they're long run when they 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 run between two different uh, regions uh, it's uh, it's uh, managed by the ministry of transport and when there's within uh, a region it's managed by the by the government of the region all right so but they, they are, um, this is what we call the concessional system here in spain it's uh, it's a concession from 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 the governments for you to operate and it's exclusive uh, concession, so there's no uh, li uh, liberalized market in, in the scheduled services uh, for regular lines. And is that tender process difficult, Louis? In other words, is it a difficult to get into that system? And if you do get into it, uh, is the is the service uh, of the tender for four or five years, or is it, are they very short contracts? No, the the the, the, the services the, the the tenders are for ten years uh, normally, and from six to ten years now. The problem is, is it, it is an obsolete system, and uh, uh, sometimes the the, the, um, um, the services have not been tendered, uh, and they, they have been um, how how you say that in English uh, extension. There have been extensions yeah. of the contracts uh, just managed by the between the the, the administrations and, and the companies that they used to do that. That's something we have been fighting against from our from our uh, association from Anetra. Uh, because there are, there are lines or there are, there are lines that have been have have expired and the government have not tendered it yet so the, the same operator is, is uh, operating the line we, uh, beyond the, the the contract so we are just it's, it's a difficult situation big companies um, are the majority of, of the of the lines are, are operated by, by very big companies and uh, that the reason is that the tenders, some, some, even some lines have never been tendered. It comes from a long, long time ago. And the ones that have been tendered, uh, the requirements to, 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 to tender uh, have been so high that only big companies could manage to, to get them. So that's something we have been fighting. Uh, from Anetra, we are um, uh, lobbying for... Um, more liberalized system uh, we we think and also a couple of years ago the european union uh, wanted to um, harmonize the regulation in, in in all the countries by the modification of uh, uh, regulation 1073 uh, which meant would have meant 
a liberalized system for the services over 100 kilometers. But uh, finally, it didn't uh, pass. The, 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 that they didn't pass, and, and we could not um, achieve it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's difficult for for small or medium companies to to tender. It's very difficult to get in there. So just before we finish up, Louis, with regard to your tourism, uh, we'll go back to tourism because obviously Spain is such a company, or sorry, country that depends on tourism in such a big way. Uh, with regard to your clients, Louis, I mean, your English is excellent. I, I, I said thanks very much for, for no, speaking absolutely. so well on the podcast. Um, I'm not too sure if you, where, you, where you learned your English or, 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 or where your expertise was in that. Maybe let me know that. But um, with regard then to communication between you and, your comp- uh, and the companies that you work with, some of the large tour companies, have you been able to reach out to them to say, look, we're still here? Or... Have you found that some of the people that you worked with have now left the companies and you're going to have to develop new relationships with them? Well, um, uh, about my English, I, I'm sorry. Sometimes uh, I, uh, I don't get it uh, so straight. Uh, I, uh, I learned it, in, uh, believe it or not, in the south of Ireland, in Cork, when I was uh, very, very young. Uh, but th- then I went to college uh, in an English uh, university. And that's when I finally learned it because the, the accent in Cork is not the best to uh, accent to, uh, for for uh, for a student, so uh, jokes apart. Um, <laughs> and you weren't tempted to come over here and run a coach company. I know there's a few there on Cork <laughs> that would love to have no, some people on board. I found it difficult to to drive on the other side of the, of the road. <laughs> <laughs> so now, um, but uh, in in regards of tourism and, and our our clients, we uh, we have been trying to to keep in touch with them. Uh, it's, we it's not easy to keep in touch with, with all of them. And uh, through organizations like, uh, as I said before, the Global Passenger Network, or through uh, ITOA, the European Tour Operators Association, uh, we are trying to keep in touch with the clients. There have been a lot of webinars. Also, the Past World has organized a lot of webinars. Uh, it, that's the only thing we, we, we could do now. Uh, try to keep in touch with them, send them the news, send them the information regarding capacity, regarding regulations. Uh, they are concerned that the regulations uh, are different in, in different countries in Europe because uh, when they are uh, running it, if they are planning to, to operate a tour in, in the spring ne- next year where there will be still restrictions and there's a, a tour of Spain and Portugal, it's, it's really difficult for them to, to plan if Spain and Portugal have different regulations. So that's what they've been complaining about. And uh, yeah, it's, it's not easy to keep in touch with them. We have in our company, in Cartour, we have clients uh, from even 30 years ago. So of course we keep in touch with them, but, but it's not easy in this, in this period. So uh, of uh, no work at all. And sometimes we finish up, Louis, with, certainly with, with people who are involved in the industry. We go back to maybe when they were 24, 25 years of age. And we ask them, look, if you could give yourself a 24, 25 years of age, a little bit of advice as you uh, head into the coach industry. Is there anything that you would change or there's any big red lights that you would say to yourself, I better not go down that route. I don't know. That's a difficult question. <laughs> uh, this industry is, is, is a difficult one. I wonder uh, if it was not a, a family business. I wonder if I had ended in this sector or this industry is it's really difficult. Uh, there is, it's overregulated. Uh, anything you need, you need a you need a, regu- a paper. If you want to run a, a school route, 
you need a, an authorization from, from the local government. If you want to do an international tour, uh, you need to be uh, established in the, in the German um, tax authority in the Netherlands, everywhere you need some papers. It's a very regulated uh, sector, uh, but it's, it's really uh, thrilling and it's really, there's no same day. There's no, there's no day that looks like the previous day. There's always something new. Uh, so I, I don't think I would give advice, just do what you did. Yeah. Well, listen, thank you very much, Louis, for giving us an insight into the Spanish uh, coach tourism industry at the moment in Madrid area, especially. And we wish you and all the members of Anetra all the very best over the, the coming 12 months, 18 months, as we all uh, proceed through this difficult time in, in our industry. Um, and hopefully we'll touch base again soon and see how you're all progressing over there. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.